0: Hello and welcome to Talk Spooky to Me, the Ghost Story Guys Mail Show. I'm Brennan Storr. And I'm Paul Bestel. And this is our chance to hear from you, our listeners. Paul, my friend, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Surviving our
1: our recent cold snap with extra socks and hot drinks. So we're doing okay.
0: Nice. Face forward into the wind, feet warm. It's what Shackleton would have wanted. (laughs) Exactly. Hopefully things go better for you than they did for him.
1: Yes, I'm not fancying rowing across ICCs to reach
0: safety. Well, I guess it went better for him than it did for Scott, so could be worse. Yes, yes. Oh, for my part, I am I'm also braving uh, sub-zero temperatures. Uh, it's a little bit warmer now, but as I mentioned to you off-air, my apartment was built sometime around the 3rd century BCE <laughs> using a heating system that was created by a long-dead civilization whose name we have forgotten. So, it gets cold out there. It gets really cold in here, but we're, we're working on it. So yeah, uh, and, and I am still here, so I can't complain too much. <laughs> and I, I have, before we get started on listener mail, I have a spooky story for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I held on to this all throughout the, uh, the live show that we just did for $10 patrons, which you can be part of if you sign up at patreon.com slash ghost story guys. So I caught an Uber home from a uh, night out. Mm. uh, last week. And it, somehow the conversation turned, I, I always drives me crazy when people say this, what do you do for a living? <laughs> because you have to admit then you're a podcaster. <laughs> and so I, you know, I said, I'm a podcaster. And of course they asked, what do you podcast about? And I told them and this driver who was, uh, probably about my age, he said to me, he said, Oh, you know, funny. He said, I don't, I don't believe in that stuff. But he said, something happened the other day that was, uh, was really strange. I said, okay. Well, you know, what was it? And he said, well, I I picked up a fare, over at this one bar, uh, in in uh, London. I won't I won't say which because it's it's a private club. But um, he said I picked up. And she was a waitress, and she was she had just finished closing up for the night, and she was in. Uh, she was very much out of sorts. He said, and when he asked her what was wrong, she explained that there have always been stories about this particular bar being haunted but she never thought much of them until that night when she saw a little boy run into the kitchen from the back area. And of course there are no little boys who work in this place or who live in this place. (laughs) And so she got the hell out of there and she was telling this to the driver and the driver thought, Oh sure. Okay. Uh, but, and she said, Oh, he's up on, I, I can see him. He's on the roof now. And the, uh, the driver's like, yeah, sure. And he said from where, from where the car was positioned, he couldn't see out her window. Again, he didn't think much of it. He just thought she was being nuts. So he pulled the U-turn to uh, get out of this because this bar is in kind of a unique place as far as the where the car exit and entry is. So he turned around and he happened to glance up at this bar and he saw on the roof, because the roof has sort of like this low slope, he saw something. Now he didn't see a little boy, but he said he saw a column of smoke that appeared to be moving with intention and it was a fairly breezy night so cause it, and it can get pretty windy here it's pretty flat but uh, it was not moving with the wind it was moving under its own direction seemingly and he stopped right in his tracks and the waitress she said D- do you see it do you see him and he he said oh I see something and she leaned over and she said there he is you can he's right there and so it appears that she was seeing simultaneously As he was seeing a column of smoke, she was seeing a young boy. That really freaked this guy out. You know, again, he he was telling me the story. It wasn't that late. It was like 11 o'clock at night by the time I was going back. Maybe midnight. There's a convenience store uh, next to my apartment where you have to park because there's no street parking. He sat there for a good five minutes trying to find this bar so he could show me because he was so rattled by what he'd seen. And I thought, I got to remember this so I can tell, Paul. Oh, brilliant. Strange Things Afoot in London, Ontario, which I suppose should surprise no one. <laughs> well, it's always good when somebody
1: who's not really a believer has a strange experience that unnerves them.
0: Yeah, that's it. Those are, those are my favorite stories. Cause I mean, obviously if someone believes, I mean, that's great, but uh, I just think for the really out there stuff and for the, it's always fascinating to hear from someone who otherwise is just not interested. Definitely. All right. Well, we, speaking of folks who are interested in all things spooky, we have a great selection of email, and so let's get right to it.
2: Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you.
1: First up is from Tammy, who says, I am a pathologist's assistant, and autopsies are part of my job. I always find it interesting to hear normal people react to finding body parts in buckets. It's not uncommon for some bits to be kept and not sent with the rest of the body. Brains need a long time before they are ready to be cut and hearts are often held. Some places I've been we bag up all the organs after sampling and other than the heart and brain it all gets tossed into a biohazard bag that is then sewn back into the body cavity so it stays together. But in some other places all the organs are not returned. The body actually gets sewn up while the organs are being dissected. Fetal demise specimens are not uncommon in medicine, unfortunately. It varies by state, but under 20 weeks, and in a lot of states, they don't require a death certificate and are essentially considered surgical specimens, such as like a gallbladder or other organ
0: from a legal standpoint. Well, that's deeply unsettling. No kidding. Well, thank you, Tammy. That's really interesting stuff. Uh, And of course, Tammy referring to our conversation with urban explorer Ben James. On the last Talk Spooky episode, he has found a number of <laughs> discarded organs. And uh, in the case, oh, sorry, he didn't find the fetus. It was those French journalists who found it.
1: Yes, we've had a, a, a strange story here in Sheffield today hit the news where uh, someone's found lots of bags of dead birds dumped somewhere and a plastic box full of geese
0: feet. Really? Where do they find this? Uh, in a local park. Oh, God. That's not encouraging. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's very strange. Very strange. Oh, man. Someone is out there McDonald triading hard. Mm. So uh, a- a-
1: another another strange Sheffield mystery.
0: <laughs> One of many. Yes, very much so. All right. Next up is from Kate. Kate says, I'm in the middle of listening to the Life After Death episode and had to write you. Everything you touched on from horrifying children's animation to existential crises was incredibly relatable. I was born in 1980, so my childhood was filled with questionable movies and books aimed at a younger demographic. I remember bawling my way through Old Yeller, Sounder, Where the Red Fern Grows, and Bridge to Terabithia. Relatives often parked myself and my cousins in front of televisions playing The Secret of Nim*, The Dark Crystal, and The Last Unicorn. At each of the rare and much-anticipated class movie afternoons, at least one or two of my classmates had to be escorted (laughs) out of the room because they were crying and were dumped in an adjoining classroom until either they calmed down or the movie was over. The teachers were aware of the potential for upset and planned for it by providing a spare classroom so the sobbing wouldn't disturb the others. (laughs) Never once did any adult question the suitability of the video or book. Traumatizing young kids were taken in stride then, and these school movie afternoons of trauma bonding were considered rewards by the teacher. Even with this abundance of choice, one terrifying animated movie experience stands out to me. My aunt took her two kids, my younger brother, and myself to an evening movie as a special treat. Her kids were my favorite cousins and after the movie we were all going to have a sleepover. Yay! What better choice for a kid's evening at the movies than a newly released Disney movie? Right? Unless that movie just happens to be The Black Cauldron, and all the kids are under five. <laughs> <laughs> I was terrified for the entirety and spent most of the movie peeking through fingers or just looking at my feet. My poor aunt, who is a single mother, was stuck with four terrified, never-sleeping-again kids for the remainder of the night. To this day, I haven't rewatched the film. Which brings me to my second point. Brennan, you and I are similar ages, and I've had the exact same thought processes as I grow older. Although I think this is a common occurrence, humans contemplating the brevity of existence as they age, I'm honestly not surprised the whole generation has some feelings with a capital F on death and mortality after being exposed to some heavy shit at a very young age. As an old millennial, I can't afford a house or sleep without a nightlight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kate, yeah, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I don't know, I think I've seen Black Cauldron, but I don't remember anything about it. Have you, have you seen that one, Paul?
1: Yes, it's, it's from that uh, lull period when, when Disney were uh, not very good for quite a
0: while. Uh, it sounds like they're back in that from the reviews I've read of Wish. <laughs> I, I don't see what the problem is watching films like that for children.
1: It's character building.
0: <laughs> this is, remember how we talked about all the serial killers in the live show, Paul? This is how it happens.
1: <laughs> we used to do things like that at our school. You know, Christmas and Easter, you know, you'd all put into the hall and they'd wheel the TV in on the big stand and somebody would bring the video recorder out and then one of the kids would have to show a teacher how to work it <laughs> and, uh, and then we'd watch things like Watership Down or Threads or uh, Black Cauldron was one of them, Dark Crystal we once watched Thriller the video, which was amazing because it absolutely shit Or most of the children watching it somebody tried to turn the telly off but couldn't reach. Really? <laughs> And I was just like, well, it was my mum's video as well.
0: <laughs> so I'd oh, seen okay. it loads
1: of times, so we weren't perturbed at all, but there was, you know, lots of screaming and crying and all kinds of things. Brilliant. I mean, that, that
0: was directed by John Landis, I think. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah.
1: I think it was the, the full version as well, because you could buy the, the full like film version, which is about 11 minutes long. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then there was the making of afterwards, which was like half an hour or so, so it was like an hour hour-long videotape that uh, yeah so we were you know not bothered but obviously a lot of other kids were but yeah you know you've, ne- you've never really lived until you've been sat in a room full of crying children Watership down really
0: <laughs> this was not a thing for us we did not do Watership down i can't even think of any movies we watched nothing that made an impact <laughs> not like that I, I i threads i still can't bring myself to watch threads <laughs> Yeah, character building, as I said, it's it's something. I uh, man alive, no, I cannot, I cannot do it. I, I mean, nuclear panic stuff freaks me out generally, but especially when it's uh, is again something as effective as threads. I I, I had arrow streaming for ages. I just got rid of it because uh, budgeting, but it, it was on there. He just sat there looking at me. Yeah, you know? hey, Brent, Paul says this is a good movie. Come give it a watch. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I want to sleep tonight.
1: It's, it's, it's quite weird looking back, knowing that, that, you know, it was a constant fear, and we just kind of got on with it, really, you know? No need to be alarmed. This may be the last voice you ever hear. If someone dies, wrap them in a blanket and place them in a room. Hide under a door or table.
0: Cover yourselves in wet newspaper until the blast subsides. <laughs> Imagine the meetings where they came up with those videos. Those guys just doing mad bong rips going, They're fucked anyways. What are we going to tell them to do? Oh, go under the desk. That's hilarious. (laughs) They're just going to climb under the desk. We can say whatever the fuck we want. They're going to die after. So (laughs) kiss each other on the lips.
1: (laughs) Hearing my voice means
0: you have four minutes left. Is that in threads? No, that's what we used to be taught. Fuck me. Oh my God. That's a nightmare. That is a nightmare.
1: Well, we were, so I don't know, 10 or 11, we were, all, we were all well aware that if the Russians launched a strike, um, we would be decimated extremely quickly.
0: I am not sad that I grew up in the latter part of the 80s and was only really a conscious functioning human being into the 90s. <laughs> My pressing concern was Bill Clinton. <laughs>
1: Well, it was everywhere
0: here, you know,
1: everywhere. Music, TV, film, it's a constant.
0: I I, I know I've said this before, but Pink Floyd's final cut album, Two Suns in the Sunset, has to be the most, uh, I I don't even know, like psychologically damaging song I've ever heard. Because it's just, I mean, that whole album is suffused with sadness and fear and dread. Like I, I actually have to be in a really great, Mental health space if I want to listen to that record. Because I, I have a, an original vinyl at home back in Victoria. But Jesus, I have to be in just the right headspace. Because even the first song, um, The Post War Dream, that is a vicious, just an angry song. And it, it just is, it, just, it fills me with this, this terrible sadness. And by the time you get to Two Suns in the Sunset, Jesus, it's all over. But
1: it was, it was all part of our, our DNA, really. And it's why Two Tribes was number one for nine weeks, because that's essentially all about the end of the world and nuclear war. I don't think I know that one. Frankie Orsola were two tribes. Oh, okay. That's where it was. The video's Brezhnev and uh, Reagan wrestling, isn't it? Oh, okay. Got banned again. Of course. Mm. They did well that year. They had One song and two videos banned. Not bad. <laughs> Why were the others banned? Uh, Relax was banned for its sexual content. And the video, well, th- there are three versions of the video. One of them is essentially a gay sex romp (laughs) which obviously wasn't shown pre-watershed channel 4 of course showed it as they did for two tribes so most of most of britain's teenagers stayed up till midnight to tape it (laughs) probably to tape over a copy of watership
0: down probably (laughs) and a noble thing it was (laughs) (laughs) i would rather watch a sex romp than a bunch of rabbits getting murdered yeah
1: so it was, uh, yeah, 1984 here. It was, 83, uh, 84 was the, the year of uh, being terrified of, of nuclear war. God almighty.
0: I mean, it, it makes a certain amount of sense because I was born in 83. And so I just feel like a bunch of psychic fear was downloaded into my, <laughs> my brain just as soon as I exited, you know? I'm like, oh, and now I'm afraid of everything. Cool. Well, this is going to be a great life. <laughs> I'm kind of curious. Do you have a movie, or have you had, like, a movie as an adult that you've watched that has made you cry an embarrassing amount? If you say no, I'm going to come there and hit
1: you. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a bit of a softie. If, if something gives me the feels, that tends to get to me. I'm trying to think. Princess Bride makes me weep. Oh, interesting. Uh, Philadelphia. Oh, okay. What else makes me sad? <laughs> No, I don't know. I'm probably desensitized.
0: I got very upset when the dog died in John Wake. That's fair. That's, that is an upsetting part of the movie. I, I, am, I am, especially as I get older, I am a lot more inclined to have an emotional response to stuff. Like, I, I went to go see um, Violent Night uh, the, uh, at, the, at the Highland Cinema here in London a couple nights ago. And I've seen it before. I saw it in cinemas when it came out last year. And I, I own it at home. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's on the big screen, 10 bucks. Yeah, why not? But when Santa's talking to the little girl and, you know, she is telling him, like, you, you give me hope, that makes... I cried. I'm sitting in the theater in the dark. I'm trying not to make any noise, um, <laughs> you know, so I can just pretend like I'm having a joyful reaction to all the slaughter happening on screen. You know, like, I'm just crying because he's killing those terrorists and it's great, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, as you, as you grow older, you'll find that that happens more. Oh, good good that that happens a lot there are sometimes films that i'm watching and so i just go <sighs> and then i'll realize my face is wet but uh, but yeah those those two are the the ones
0: that always get me uh, princess because is just lovely and stubbly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so are, are you more of likely to cry at a happy or a sad hmm i don't know don't know actually I have, I have discovered that I am actually more inclined to cry at joyful moments. I still cry at sad shit. Like the movie Pete's Dragon, the remake, uh, directed by David Lowry, <laughs> yeah. it, it incapacitated me. Both Nick and I, and we, were, we were destroyed. A friend br- came and brought us some uh, homemade cookies because uh, we watched it around Christmas a couple years ago and we were just sobbing. Like Look, she thought we'd had a fight or something because I came to the door and my face is red and Nick's <laughs> face is red. Are you guys okay? Who is watching the Pete's Dragon remake? Oh Christ! Is that a metaphor? No, no. <laughs> no, I can't think of the last thing
1: that made me. I mean, Christmas always gets me. So, I, what? So there'll be something that gets me. I'll have to take notes over the next four weeks, and uh, I'll come up there with a list and uh, and share
0: that with you for the new year. <laughs> a weeping bullet journal. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: I the thing that gets me, and we'll we'll move on to the next email here in a sec. But the thing that really gets me is is hope. Yes, I've I've realized that if I'm watching something and and someone has their someone has their faith restored or their hope validated, I just I go to pieces. You know that is kind of my thing. That's that's why I think Violent Night always gets me is because the little girl is is kind of having her sense of wonder. Validated and given back to her, and I, I, I think that's a really beautiful thing.
1: Like Captain America when he, he gets up on, in Endgame.
0: Hell yes. That's hope right there. Goddamn right. That gives me the feels. When he tightens his shield, the broken shield. Oh, yeah, man. One man against the world.
1: <laughs> get up there. Yeah. Julie always reminds me of when we went to see that in the seminar, I was just going, Get up, Cap, get up. <laughs> And I go in and get something. I go. Yes, come on. <laughs> I'm I'm very 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 invested in Captain America.
0: That's fair. I <laughs> Christ, I, I might watch Endgame once we're done this. I, I I never get sick of that movie. No, no. Both of them back to back. I'm still not yeah, Infinity War. Not as much for me. But I understand I respect the game. I respect the 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 entire saga. Mm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> let's move on. Yep. deep voice manly Manly. next up is David
1: (laughs) (laughs) and David says hi do you have any stories from Alaska
0: no thank you goodbye (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we had that one story from um, Kadena Air Force Base in the Haunting in the Military 2 episode and I think no not Kadena Uh, shit Ielson I think Ielson's in Alaska
1: yeah Alaska's like the bear you don't want to poke really you know, I mean, I know we were talking about it on the live stream, talking about um, reading Luke Phillips's new book *Rogue*, and one of the uh, one of the characters in that talks about the uh, the incident up at uh, Port Chatham or Port Lock, and uh, all the stories about that, which is obviously in Alaska. Um, and there are some very uh, disturbing stories that cover all realms of the paranormal in Alaska. So. Uh, I think, the, I think the aspect of that is that um, there is, um, it, it's not the most populated of states and uh, they're, a, they're a very hardy breed. I mean, you've got to be. I mean, essentially you're living in the Arctic Circle. So, <laughs> you know, this is the kind of place where, you, uh, where polar bears are picked up and airlifted to polar bear prison, so, um, which was a very interesting documentary that I never knew existed, that, that was a prison for polar bears. But uh, there you have it. This
0: is news to me. What's this called?
1: Uh, there's, I'm trying to think if it's near Anchorage, but there's, there's, I'm trying to think what it is. There's a place where they've got a dump and it's so far away that they've basically just got an open air dump and they burn stuff in it because they can't get it anywhere else. And unfortunately, obviously, there's a lot of food waste there. So it's bringing the polar bears in. And so then the polar bears go, ooh, ooh, there's lots of food around here. I wonder if there's anything a bit warmer to eat. And so, therefore, they then have to tranquilize the polar bears, and then they're airlifted, I don't know, a hundred miles away to this secure compound where they're kept for a few days,
0: and then they're released back into the wild. Bear prison. I am fascinated by this. So there's one in Churchill, Manitoba. Um, It is... Uh, oh, it might be that one. It might be Churchill, then. I know that's uh, going to Churchill to see the bears is something Nick has always wanted to do, and it's sort of on our, our like long-term to-do list
1: yeah yeah it's churchill i thought it was in alaska but it's churchill yeah but that's it yeah they go there and then they're put in there for a bit and the isolation kind of messes them up for some reason and then they're just taken somewhere else and dropped
0: i mean all the data shows that isolation messes up people who go into solitary confinement too so i think it's just the uh the isolation of the whole thing regardless of who you are which is quite weird because you wouldn't consider polar bears to be social creatures unless they're mating I don't, I don't, you stick me in a box so i can't mate i won't be very happy either paul well that's true that's true so uh who knows uh one last thing speaking of and uh, speaking of david's um uh, different david but one of our listeners um david he sent me a ticket to see Spamalot at the stratford festival in stratford ontario it's got a longer name than stratford something something maybe the shakespeare festival i don't fucking know and that's not shakespeare anyways whatever it's a festival of some kind they put on a production of the musical Spamalot. David sent me a ticket. Uh, it was wonderful. Uh, it's unfortunately ended, but if they do it again next year, make sure you check it out. It is, um, Spamalot's always a great time anyways. And uh, yeah, the, the, the folks in, in Stratford did a wonderful job.
1: Yes, we'll have, to do, uh, we'll have to see what we can do in regards to Alaska because uh, it's certainly a, a, a supernatural state. Of that, there is no doubt.
0: I mean, we've got that um, episode we're planning with our our special guest for 177. Maybe we we'll see if we can put if I can put something together for that. Hmm. Yeah, I
1: saw that documentary about that those vampires in Alaska.
0: Oh yeah, that was uh, 30 days a night. Yeah, yeah, good documentary that. Very, very hard hard hitting cinema verite stuff. Yes, yeah, very much so. If you uh, ignore the plot holes, it's quite compelling. Friends, don't <laughs> let friends let Danny Houston into their small towns. <laughs>
1: How can one man steal every single person's mobile phone?
0: <laughs> he's got uh, very light fingers. Or maybe a polar bear at them all. That's why they have the prison. After the Great Barrow a Massacre, <laughs> they put the prison... To, it, it, it's, it's all... I, I just can't help... I, I just imagine a prison... or Sorry, a, a bear imprisoned in the Superman thing like General Zod. <laughs> so he's just like making bear noises as he's flying out into the, the darkness of space. Anyways. <laughs> Next up,
1: Caitlin says, The best part of starting the workday is the disembodied hello from the downstairs
0: hallway. Uh, Good luck with that, Caitlin. We'll we'll miss you.
1: (laughs) Say hello back, see what
0: happens. There you go. Strangers in the Night starts playing. Oh, you see, if it was me, if I heard that, I'd go,
1: Is it me you're looking for? (laughs) I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in your smile. I don't know the rest of the words. <laughs> you were all I ever wanted. <laughs> and this video is deeply uncomfortable viewing in 2023 because a teacher's harassing a pupil. <laughs> uh. <laughs> How had she made a model of his face? It just gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> Have you never Oof. seen the video? No. Watch it, and if you don't call the police afterwards, you've done well.
0: If I don't call the police afterwards, someone should call the police on me. (laughs) I get it. Yeah. Time's not been kind to that video. Time has not been kind to a lot of music videos. (laughs) Hot for Teacher? Not great.
1: (laughs) Mary writes Since you and Paul are animal lovers. I have an interesting and amusing story that may or may not convince you that reincarnation exists. Back in 2005, I was blessed to adopt a homeless kitty in the spring that I named Taz. He was the best cat, never getting into trouble. He even took care and protected his little adopted sister. At the end of summer, he started, shall we say, romancing the comforter on my bed. One night, after having a few too many drinks, I came home and just wanted to sleep. But here came Taz looking to start his new evening ritual. Being tired and not wanting to be bothered, I tossed him a fuzzy pig slipper that I had in my closet as a joke. And without missing a beat, he climbed on the little pig and a new tradition was started. As the years went on, he went through both pig slippers, a few teddy bears and a monkey. <laughs> oh god sadly i lost taz back in 2013 approximately one year later a handsome kitty started showing up on our doorstep by the end of summer we had decided we'd love this goofy boy and we adopted him into our loving home his name's pumpkin and he's been a big goofy addition to this house we have joked at times that he is the reincarnation of taz because he was born around the time Taz passed, and also because he has the prettiest blue eyes I've ever seen in an adult cat. Pumpkin has been with us 10 years now, and this fall, completely out of the blue, he started to romance the blankets on the bed. (laughs) On a whim, I went to the store and bought him a teddy bear. It took a few nights, but the romance is becoming a regular part of his nightly routine. So I leave it to you guys. Is reincarnation possible? I have to say, I'm a believer. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, they sent a lovely picture of, of Pumpkin, and he's beautiful. He really is. Um, so I've, I've got two parts to this. Um, my mum's had a few rescue dogs over the years, and um, we had, she had a Yorkshire Terrier called Pippa. Um, <laughs> and uh, at the same time, she had a, a, a Labrador. So she had this enormous snake like a fluffy snake. It was about six foot long. And Pippa was this Yorkshire Terrier, so she wasn't very big. And she essentially would, it would get to like 11 o'clock at night and you could be sat there watching jelly having a drink or something and she would just jump on this snake and that was it. She'd be humping it all <laughs> around the front room. Didn't matter what was going on. It was snake pumping time. And, uh, and, and that's what it was. Um, but... In a slightly less sexy kind of comparison to, to what we're saying about Pumpkin being the reincarnation of Taz, when I had my previous dog, Rolf, and my mum had her beautiful big Labrador Ross, who was essentially a dog in the size of a bear, but thought he was a puppy, he had this trick that he, whenever he came round, he would just sit down and he'd put his front, front legs on you and his paws, and he'd love his arms rubbing. He'd really liked his arms oh. to be rubbed. So he used to just do that for you. And and he sadly passed. Quite young for a for dog. Nine or ten I think he was. And within, I don't know, a month to two months, afterwards, Rolf, who'd never ever shown any indication that he wanted to do this or anything, suddenly decided that he'd like to put his front legs on you and want his arms rubbing in exactly oh. the same way but it only started after Ross had died interesting he never used to do it when he was there and he could see what Ross was doing it, he never wanted to copy him he never tried to do it he never showed any inclination for it until he'd passed and then he started doing it all the way until he, he, he passed away himself
0: oh man so
1: well, make of that what you will
0: yeah so Rolf was still, he was like part of that household or he's, he was your mom's dog? No, Rolf was mine. Ross was, Ross the Labrador was my mom's dog. Uh,
1: and they loved each other very much. They were good playmates. But uh, yeah, he never did it until Ross passed away. And then after Ross passed away within a couple of months, he, he, that's what he liked to do. Oh. So why did he start doing that? That is a great question. Oh,
0: That's cute either way.
1: Mm. But yes pumpkin looks like a beautiful cat and uh, yes long, long may he continue to bring lots of love and mirth to your home
0: uh, next up is from Tessa on YouTube Tessa says you guys have some of the best accounts slash experiences slash incidents I've ever heard and you both have the best voices you guys are such wonderful narrators you guys should have way more views on here well, thank you, Tessa. Uh, we agree with that last point, at the very least. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, actually. YouTube has always been kind of a sort of an afterthought for us, you know. I mean, thankfully, like with Joseph coming on in the last uh, couple of years, and uh, now, thank with Adam, who has done all our doing all our video editing, we have a lot more YouTube content. But for years, it was just a place I would, when I remembered, I would like <laughs> dump the the audio only episode with a flat background, and um. You know, people, as I've mentioned, sometimes I'll, people will ask what I do for a living. I'll say I'm a professional podcaster and they'll look us up on YouTube and I have to say, no, 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 that's, that's not where our audience is. (laughs) Your most popular uh, video has like a hundred views. Yeah, no, I know. I know. We're not really YouTube people. This is, (laughs) don't judge me by the YouTube numbers. I swear. (laughs) It's cold out, baby. (laughs) That's never happened to me before. <laughs> if only you were like Taz. If only. <laughs> All right, one more. Uh, from Penguin1780 on YouTube, talking about our episode, uh, our talk spooky episode, Fist Fighting Kangaroos. Penguin says uh, Dr. Mario on the Wii is my favorite game ever. I had to stop playing other people because it was causing problems in our friend group back when the Wii was new. <laughs> Apparently, there's some study. That shows it, and other games like Tetris helps people with complex PTSD. I find it soothing. So, first off, Penguin, I just got to say I find it endlessly hilarious the notion that your friend group is being riven apart because you're crushing these people in Dr. Mario and just going in your face. <laughs> well,
1: we we had a a football tournament in 1998, right? This is how long ago? This is 25 years ago, right? And it's st- whenever I sit down and I think about it, it still makes me laugh because there were like I think there were six of us playing, so we were up till like four in the morning, and uh, and I was the big favourite, and I lost to one of my friends, and uh, and essentially I was top of the top of the group, and there was one game left, which was with our friend who didn't play games at all, unless he was with us, whereas we all had a PlayStation and played it every day, whatever. And so there was no way on God's earth that I was not gonna that I was gonna win the league, because I'll not name names. This person was easily gonna beat the crap part-time player. No problem. And uh, and, and he lost. <laughs> and he he got and he didn't lose, he, he got hammered, he like lost four one or something. Oh, and, wow. he, and he just went, right, I'm going to fucking bed. and i was just sat there going yes (laughs) i've won the title by not doing anything it was amazing (laughs) 25 years on, still talk about it to this day what a night
0: victory is victory
1: it is i'll take it all i'll take it all
0: (laughs) uh this next one is from colleen colleen says i saw this on facebook and thought i'd send it along the description of the well man reminded me of descriptions of shadow people. I wonder if there's a connection. Hey folks, it's me. I am cutting this in after the fact, because in my original response, I said that I thought this was probably an internet creation because I, I couldn't find any real information on it. Now, of course, our patrons get the show ahead of the public feed. They usually get the show on Saturday. The show comes out on Tuesday, and our patron Eileen commented on the post, and then sent in this email. So I thought, instead of my original response, which was, hey, wrong, I would share her information, which is right. So, this is from Aline. Aline says, Danish person to the rescue. It's a real folklore creature, apparently. Not one I knew of, granted, but a very cursory search yielded results. Here's a very short text in English. She includes a link, which I'll put in the show notes. And she says, the rest I've found is in Danish. This text here is very detailed. Again, there's a link. I will include that in the show notes. Aline goes on to say, Basically, the purpose it served in the 18th and 19th centuries was, quote, Wells are dangerous for prosaic reasons. Let's use a monster to make it even scarier for kids. Whereas earlier, it seems, it maybe was a creature people believed could affect people's actions or health, i.e. an explanation of bad health in humans and livestock before we had the modern understanding of disease and microbes. It has also been called Krogmanden, the man with the hook. Uh... Bruntrolden, you, you tell me if I'm getting that wrong, Eileen. the well troll, Brontossen, the idiot in the well, or simply Manden i Brunden, the man in the well. It was also known as Kildemand, the man of the stream, because the word Kilda was used for wells in some part of Denmark in olden times. Eileen continues, the reason I hadn't heard of it is that it's not really in use in modern times, presumably because we don't really use wells anymore. So thank you, Eileen, for providing that insight. And if you want to be part of the Cool Kids Club who gets to hear the show ahead of everyone else, sign up at patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys or, of course, GST Premium via Apple Podcasts. Oh, one last thing. Before we go back to the regular recording with Paul, uh, which we recorded, of course, on Thursday, I'm recording this Monday, I have a favor to ask. Like I said, Paul's not here. He wouldn't ask. I'm going to ask. Mysteries and Monsters was nominated for a GPN Parameet Award. It was nominated for top podcast show, and I would very much appreciate it if you could follow the link in the show notes. It'll be right at the top, right at the top. Follow through and uh, vote for Mysteries and Monsters under top podcast show. That would mean a lot. I know it would mean mean a lot to Paul again. He would never ask. um, I'm going to ask. In fact, I'm going to say, let's crush the competition. There's nothing wrong with them. They all seem like great people, but they're not Paul. So let's fucking crush those people with our love for mysteries and monsters. All right. Again, that's GPN top podcast show. There'll be a link right at the top of the show notes. Follow through. You vote using your Google account. And if you have more than one Google account, well, I'm not saying it, but you know what I'm not saying, right? Right? Yeah. You're cool. You get it. All right. Enough never mind nonsense. Thanks again to Aline. And now back to your regularly scheduled programming already in progress. If I'm wrong and someone has examples, please send them in. Ghostoryguys at gmail.com. Do you live in Copenhagen? Get in touch. Can we stay with you? Well, <laughs> it's,
1: it's cheaper than drinking in Sweden. Oh, God, I can't imagine. And Norway.
0: Well, I, I, again, if uh, considering how expensive it was to drink in Iceland, I can't imagine those places are any cheaper.
1: Yeah, well, a lot of them, a lot of Norwegians go to Sweden and Denmark to drink
0: because it's cheaper. Oh, I see. So, wow. So, even as expensive as Sweden is, it's still cheaper than Norway. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Woof. Yes,
1: you you've got to know where to drink in in Norway. I don't go anywhere
0: tourists are. <laughs> I mean, that's true. I think that's uh, especially that's true everywhere. Like, even even here. Um, I, you know, I started going for beers at this place, and it was kind of like a chain type spot just because it was nearish to me. And then I, I ended up walking into this local bar uh, in the neighborhood, kind of about ten minutes away. And the food is better, it's cheaper, and it's. And she said, "Oh yeah, if you actually go somewhere that's kind of off the main road, you're going to get fed a hell of a lot better than you would at, uh, at those other places." And yeah, uh, if anybody tries to
1: charge more than four pound fifty for a pint, you
0: London prices." <laughs> <laughs> you're up north, you know. So so what, what should a pint, what is generally a pint cost there?
1: It widely varies. Depends what you drink and where you drink. Mine usually costs between three and three pounds and three pounds 80.
0: Okay, that's reasonable. I th- I think when we were in rugby, the, fir- the night before you got there, I went to the pub and I think I paid, I think I paid about 380 for a pint of ale.
1: Yes, that seems reasonable.
0: Whereas down in, in Weston, uh, before or sorry in clevedon before i came up in the southwest that was like four pounds for a pint of you know nothing special it's, it still amuses me when
1: southerners come up like one of my mates he moved up and he was still chuckling about the fact he'd buy two pints to get changed from a tenner
0: yeah oh, and, and you guys don't have to tip either so it actually is the, the price what? yeah exactly yeah restaurants if you, you, you only tip if you eat if you eat oh okay oh yeah yeah because we tipped at that uh that Green King bar we went to, right yeah, yeah, yeah 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 food and taxes, yes, drinks no yeah, interesting. I mean, it certainly saved me a lot of money because I mean <laughs> every time I go to the uh, the, old, the old South Village pub here, you know I always buy a Guinness and it's ten bucks, and then obviously you're expected to tip like 20 percent on top of that, so that's 12 bucks for a pint of beer.
1: yeah, but yeah, I suppose it's it's one of those things, obviously it's. More prevalent in, in, in the States as well. So I would imagine it's, it's the similar kind of situation, isn't it? Isn't it? Is it because of minimum
0: wage or is it just the standard? Both. Especially down in the States. Like, I, I don't think there is a minimum wage for servers in a lot of States. So, yeah. you know, you're making your hourly wages nothing. And then you're, so you're like you're living off your tips, which is grotesque. But, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. You don't tip them, you buy them a drink.
0: So if you buy some drinks... You say, "Do you want one?" Oh, okay. And you buy him a drink. That's less common here. I've done that, but uh, yeah, less common here. Again, I I feel like it's a that's the money thing is a little more accepted. I feel like the, I could be wrong, but I feel like the drink thing is a little bit more like, "Hey, can I buy you?" A, even if it's a bartender, I feel like it's a little bit like that. <laughs> like uh, when I I went out for drinks once with some some guys from uh, my improv class in Montreal, and we got pasted just pasted. And I, I got this gremlin on my shoulder, man. I, you know, I'll just have a beer. I can absolutely have a beer. I can even have two or three beers and like, that's fine. Let's go my, but if I get the shots demon on my shoulder, if the shots monkey gets his claws in, it's game over for everyone. And shots demon got me good that night. Cause I just kept ordering shots of, of whiskey for everyone. I just kept saying to the bartender, Hey, you want, you want one? You want one? And he's like, "Oh no, man! I, I tied one on last night, but I'd still ask every time. You want one? You want... no? And finally, I I don't know. Maybe I look so good with my one eye drooping. He's like, "Oh well, okay." And then he started. Yeah, exactly. He started sh- taking shots with us too. I can't say anything. I've only I've drunk. I've had one glass of wine in two months. Really? That's why you've been depressed. You're not drinking enough. <laughs> <laughs> Just not.
1: No, I've uh, not had a night out for a while, and I don't drink in the house, so.
0: Uh, That's fair enough. I, I bought a bottle of scotch when I moved here, but, um, I just haven't enjoyed it. I'm I'm kind of the same way. I don't drink at home. Um, I like, I like going out and having a beer, but if I'm going out by myself, having more than two seems a little bit tragic. And, And actually that happened to me. Um, of course, as you and I have discussed, I've been having all these technical problems with my laptop. And one night, um, I usually basically like I'll finish the episode on Saturday. And then after work, I go to the bar and have a beer or two by myself. And Uh, I went out a couple Saturdays ago and I was really struggling with this problem. I was just racking my brain, reading through forum posts, trying to figure out how to fix it. And so the waitress ended up bringing me a third beer and I got about halfway through it. And all of a sudden I thought, well, guess I'm not driving home. (laughs) Went to go stand up to use the bathroom. Oh, right. Two is usually my limit. Okay. (laughs) Uber, you know, but, uh. Yeah,
1: that's a good, good. Reason why it takes four minutes to walk to the pub and 11 minutes to walk back.
0: <laughs> See, I, I can't, because I live in fucking Crime Alley. I can walk out, I can't walk back. I can, but it's a bit of a, a, bit of a crap shoot at night. <laughs>
1: yes, well, I'll, uh, I'll be uh, imbibing uh, in officially now for, for the whole of December because it's Christmas. Excellent. Get out on the sherry.
0: I, I, you know, man, I got to get back over there so we can so we can hit the hit the hit the town. <laughs> that was just so much fun. Yeah, it's a lot cheaper and better pubs around here as well. Sheffield won't know what hit it.
2: Mm.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. That was that was my hubris talking. I know I can't possibly make a dent in the in the vortex that is Sheffield.
1: <laughs> You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. <laughs> it's very very friendly especially around where i live it's always very people are always very chatty
0: oh good very cool
1: next up is Teresa. i think this one's you it is me Teresa says hi guys i grew up in the deep woods of northwestern wisconsin my dad still owns just under 100 acres there wow my whole family are hunters and there are multiple hunting seasons per year depending on what you're looking to nab deer, bear, turkeys, ducks, etc Indiana may have different hunting seasons but probably not that far off from Wisconsin Now, Grandpa may have been having a broke back situation and that's his business (laughs) and I think that happens more often than you know but, as many hunters can attest to sometimes you can't get out to your hunting location until after lunch and sometimes you go out at sunrise come home for lunch and go back out till sunset since we live so far out into the woods, our deer stands were on our own property about half a mile back from our house, in the woods, on our acreage. It's an easy walk to and from, with enough time to get a few hours hunting time before dark. I hope this helps make sense of Grandpa's timing.
0: Yes. Thank you, Teresa, very much. Um, that does make more sense. Again, I, I'm not a hunter, uh, obviously. The only guns I've shot you could not hunt with, um, at least not animals. Perhaps the most dangerous animal of all.
1: Yeah, I wonder what time Bigfoot season is in Wisconsin then. <laughs>
0: in Wisconsin,
1: Bigfoot hunts you. Yes, I'm. I'm reading a uh, a, a book about uh, the true stories of these. Yes, as I recall. Yes, it's set in your neck of the woods, actually.
0: Ontario and uh, uh, Washington State, British Columbia. No, that's not my problem right now. <laughs> From December twentieth to January eighth, is my problem. I'll be back for Christmas, but. Uh... Just stay out in the Nahuni Valley. You'll be all right. Well, I don't think there's any danger of me going to anyone's Nahuni Valley anytime soon.
1: <laughs> it's Christmas, Theo. It's the time <laughs> of
0: miracles. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Anyways. <laughs> all right, folks. That's going to do it for this episode of Talk Spooky to Me. Thanks, as always, to everyone who sent in their messages. And if you want to send us something, possibly have it read out on this show, shoot it to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. That's ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Sometimes also we will pull from Instagram or Reddit or, um, uh, what's the other one, Paul? YouTube, that's it. No, I was just agreeing that you remembered YouTube. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah finally. <laughs> but the-, the MySpace. Yeah my, yeah, my Friendster.
1: Bebo. sites. Yeah, that too. AOL. <laughs> Netscape. AIM. <laughs> Internet
0: Explorer. ICQ. <High> <laughs> Is
1: that the one where it made that funny
0: t- 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 noise? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Just Napster days. Oh, yes. LimeWire. The virus <laughs> superhighway. <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah virus wire yeah exactly so yeah so you can get uh, best way to best way is email ghoststoryguys at gmail.com paul where can everyone find you online
1: you can find me under mysteries and monsters across all social media platforms and podcast sites
0: i am largely the truth on twitter instagram blue sky threads and letterboxd i don't really use twitter that much but my account well, actually i don't use it at all but it's still there uh, Letterbox if you want to see me uh, get nerdy about movies, and of course you can listen to my show Weird Together. We are going on break uh, for the month of December, but our next episode will be out on the day after this is released, and that will be about the film Black Friday, which is a hoot. I love Black Friday. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, of upcoming shows, Paul, on the day this releases, our uh, appearance on the TV Trivia Pod will be out. Yes, it's all happening. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a busy month. This, the December is turning out to be October 2. Mm, yes,
1: um, and I'm not sure when I'll be on uh, Jim Harold's Campfire, but that will be upcoming shortly as well, I would imagine.
0: Oh, of course. And uh, I actually just got a note, and I, I'm sorry, I don't remember who, who said it, but one of our listeners just, uh, just recorded a spot on Campfire and gave us a shout out. So thank you very much for that. Fabulous. All right. Well, as always, we like to end talk spooky with me with a song we like to feature artists in this space and if you are an independent musical artist and you would like to have your song featured here shoot us a message ghoststoryguys at gmail.com you can also dm us on instagram as the ghost story guys, but it the account is weirdly popular so we don't always i don't always see all the dms so email is the best way to do it but this time around, we don't have an ex- we don't have an outside artist. This time around, we have someone who is on Night Harvest Recordings. And Night Harvest Recordings is the Ghost Story Guys house label. This time around, we're going to feature a new track from the Revenants. The Revenants are kind of one of the whole reasons the label exists in the first place. The Revenants, of course, a project of Boston-based musician Elliot Wilder. The song is Pop Life, and that's from the Revenants' latest album, also called Pop Life. Pop Life just dropped on streaming platforms everywhere. And if you want to buy a copy of it a digital copy of it that comes with very cool um lovingly designed liner notes you can buy them direct from Elliot at the revenants1.bandcamp.com again that's the revenants1.bandcamp.com So thanks again for joining us and until next time we will leave you with the revenants and pop life <laughs>
2: myself. Of all been naked babies All the way back to Adam and Eve But this is my personal take on the matter It tears you apart when they are and leave Never saw myself as being someone so